Welcome to the Everything Building Envelope podcast. On this show, we discuss topics relating to the exterior building envelope, such as waterproofing, glazing, cladding, roofing, and more. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. For previous episodes, show notes, and bonus video content, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com. Now, here's your host for the Everything Building Envelope podcast. Welcome, everyone, to our Everything Building Envelope podcast. I'm Chris Matthews of GCI Consultants, and I will be your host today. I'm really excited today to have as my guest two of our forensic engineers at GCI, Brett Taylor and Jason Bondurant. And we'll be talking to you about a very interesting topic today, barrier versus drainage wall construction. First, I'd like to introduce my guests and have them tell you a little bit about themselves. Brett, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, I'm Brett Taylor, Senior Consultant 2 with GCI. Um, been in the engineering and building envelope industry now for about 27 years. I graduated from NC State, North Carolina back in the early 90s and have kind of progressed from pure structural engineering into building envelope and forensic investigation and litigation support type work for GCI. Thanks, Brett. And Jason, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Jason Bondurant, and I'm a senior consultant with GCI for about six years now. I work mostly in forensics and dealing with problems with existing buildings. All right. Thanks, guys. So as I said, we're going to talk today about drainage walls and barrier walls. We think it'd probably be best just to define what we mean by those types of walls first. So Brett, can you kind of explain how we would define a drainage wall system? Yeah, well, in general, um, a drainage wall system is going to be a system in which there's a, an exterior cladding behind which there will be some form of a drainage plane made up of different components, uh, construction components, just depending on what's needed for the area that you or the building happens to be in. So the, the general premise is that the exterior cladding controls the majority of the water, but based on experience and years of construction and code development, it's it's commonly known that there's going to be some sort of moisture that'll make its way behind the primary cladding system. And that incidental water will need to be drained out, back out to the exterior. So with a drainage wall system, we typically understand that we'll have to provide some sort of flashing to redirect that incidental water back out to the exterior. And I think maybe the like kind of the, the most commonly known or the most historic method of that would be a, a masonry veneer with through wall flashing uh, would kind of be the typical go-to uh, reference for that type of construction. Jason, what are some other types of, uh, of cladding systems that we see in, in a drainage wall application? So I would say one of the most common these days that we deal with are stucco and modern eaves systems, which also incorporate some type of weather barrier behind the, the stucco and ephys and through wall flashing to manage that incidental water penetration. And then there's other types as well, like metal panel wall systems. Yeah, we see metal panels, uh, sometimes some faux stone veneers, different types of uh, siding systems, pretty much any type 
of cladding system that's going to go over a backup wall should be uh, set up as a drainage wall system. And then comparing that or contrasting that to a barrier wall system, Jason, can you kind of explain how we would define a barrier wall? Yeah, so a barrier wall system, uh, unlike a drainage wall system, uh, a barrier wall system is really designed to stop all water at the exterior face of the wall. So there would be no provision to manage any water that got behind that exterior plane of the wall. So typically the wall is going to rely on exterior coating, sealers, and sealant joints to keep 100% of the water out of the building. It's basically a, a zero tolerance type of a wall. And some of the types of barrier wall systems that we work with would be? And I would say that that for us, based in South Florida, this is the most common type of wall system that we deal with on a regular basis. And most commonly in South Florida, that would be stucco, direct applied, bonded over CMU and, and concrete walls. That's the most common type of barrier wall system that we deal with. Sure. And, and, and then in some of the larger buildings, commercial buildings, healthcare buildings, buildings in other areas of the country that we work on, precast panels, tilt-up walls, those types of things are also a real common type that I think of that are a barrier wall assembly. Then we had also talked about kind of one other historic type that we're not going to touch on as much, but that's a, a mass wall system. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the concept of that, Jason? Yeah, so the mass wall is is not something that we see too often, but we do deal with it sometimes when we're dealing with problems with much older buildings. And basically, the mass wall system, it's essentially just relying on the sheer thickness of the wall and the ability of the wall materials to absorb and handle the moisture in order to keep the water out. So essentially what's happening is the wall is getting wet and then you're just relying on the evaporation of that moisture to dry it out. Um, so usually the types of walls that we see that are managing the moisture in this way are more historic masonry type wall systems, multi-wife, you know, brick types of walls or, or other types of um, masonry cladding. And I think, Brett, you had mentioned that an older type of construction that you've worked on some with a direct applied stucco mass wall application where they didn't have an exterior paint on those. Yeah, that's correct. And South Florida area, it's going to be direct applied stucco to CMU or maybe some other type of, of brick or block. But the older systems would typically, it would either be just a gray stucco or perhaps a tinted stucco. So the tinting would address the coloration needs so that there would be no paint applied to the exterior. And I'm telling you guys that I worked on and continue to work on a lot of projects down in the Cayman Islands, and their construction method down there was similar to what Brett was saying, where they would build a CMU wall, put a stucco render on the outside, and then they wouldn't do furring and drywall like we would do here in the U.S. They would just do a plaster render on the inside of the wall with the idea being in their climate, the wall was going to get wet and they would just let it dry out. They didn't even try to have any components there that wouldn't be tolerant to constant wetting and drying. 
So something that we don't see very often nowadays, but another type of wall that's out there. So Chris, I'll add to that as well, that I've, that's, or at least it was back in 95 era, that's how they built them in, in Germany, believe it or not. They have over there, they would use a different type of block though. So they would have a foundational block that was a solid limestone type uh, cementitious material for the foundation walls. But for the upper walls, for insulation, they would actually use an extruded clay block uh, that, that had air entrainment in the actual clay itself. And these things were, gosh, they must have been at least 12 inches wide with diamond-shaped you know, extrusions on the interior, that, and that provided the insulative piece. But then they would do a direct applied stucco on the outside and, just as you mentioned, a, a plaster rendering on the inside. So they, you know, being in, in Germany, that's how they got their insulation was that diamond shape uh, air uh, void system in the block itself. So, you know, that, that system can apl be applied anywhere, really, with different materials. Right. So in those different parts of the world, it may still be a pretty common construction method, even though here we're seeing more of the barrier and, and drainage type walls on the newer projects that we deal with. Right. So we were going to talk some about the pros and cons of each type of system, and, and I think just generally the performance of each type. So, Brett, could you start the conversation about the drainage wall system and some of the pros and cons and construction concerns with that type of wall system? Sure. There are many, but to keep it relatively generic, I guess some of the pros with the drainage wall system, it, it does offer some redundancy. It allows you to drain any incidental water that may make its way in. And for those of you that have been following our other podcasts, you've heard that, you know, window systems have a limit. They're designed for structural capacity, but, and they also have some level of water resistivity, but they're, they're not going to resist all storm events, depending on what that particular window unit is designed for. So. If you do have a storm event that occurs that exceeds that window's capacity, you could have some interior infiltration around or even through the window, or you could just have infiltration at other penetrations in the wall or detailing conditions in that wall. So the redundancy that the drainage system provides and, and the flashing provided to kick the water back out to the exterior is, is definitely a pro. An example of a con might be at least compared to, let's say, direct applied stucco to block, it could be an additional cost. The detailing between the envelope components and flashing, the architectural detailing, and all those things could really complicate the construction and, and elevate the cost and perhaps even create conditions which are you know, really difficult to properly provide waterproofing and sealing for. So, and a lot of the newer construction is really turning out that way. The newer construction has a lot of different architectural transitions, we'll call them, you know, for example, bump outs in the wall or corners in the wall, decks, patios, those types of things are, are going to create conditions in which you really have to pay attention to the detailing and the flashing. And as you said, I mean, it's a great system and I think is the logical method in that the idea being that water will get behind these cladding systems, hopefully not a lot of water, hopefully just incidental, as you said, but the plan should be that it will and, and that it needs to be managed. But there is a lot of workmanship 
from our experience that's required in workmanship and detailing required to get these things right. And as you both know, we go to a lot of jobs where it wasn't done right. And there are some pretty severe problems, either by a bad plan about how these weather barriers and flashings are installed and integrated, or poor execution, poor workmanship in putting those materials together. I think a lot of people understand the purpose of the weather barrier to protect that wall behind the exterior cladding. But we also find a lot of people that don't understand that that drainage flashing is just as important. I don't know what, what you guys feel about that, but I, I often see buildings that are wrapped up great, but there is no through wall flashing or it's not properly integrated. And, and I, tr I try to explain to people that no matter how well you protect that wall, if you don't drain that water out, eventually it's going to find a way back in. That's right. What I was going to say is uh, the devil's in the details. And really, I've seen both conditions in which the detailing wasn't necessarily perfect, but there wasn't you know, any damage there. So it was functioning. And I've seen conditions where it was done properly, but maybe someone had, had penetrated the, the WRB, the weather-resistive barrier. I've seen conditions where bulk water was being allowed to enter. And even though it was constructed properly, that bulk water just overloaded the system. So it's really, it boils down to the devils and the details and the construction has to be correct. But, you know, the, the concept of a drainage wall is the drainage is only for incidental water. So if the cladding on the exterior and, and the attention to detail around the, the sealant, the paint and guttering, you know, anything that could force bulk water behind the system really has to be thought about. And that's typically, that's going to fall on the designer of record that's providing design and detailing for the wall construction itself. Right. And Brett, one thing that I was going to add on to that, which is also, I would consider a, a con to this type of a wall system is when we are dealing with problems with a drainage wall system, a lot of times it's necessary to do some type of destructive testing in order to get to the bottom of where the leak is coming from because the wall system is relying on that drainage plane and that weather barrier which is concealed behind the exterior cladding. So I would consider that another con. Yeah, that's a great point. Go ahead. Sorry, Brad. Go ahead. Depending on the way it was built, the water, you know, as we all know, water can travel in strange ways. So depending on how it was built, how the water's traveling, I mean, it it could be coming from anywhere. And you're right, you, you'd have to, to do DT uh, most often in order to determine where that water is coming in, obviously using proper testing methods with uh, ASTM E2128 and or, you know, uh, ASTM E1105 testing to, to trace that path of water, recreate the leakage event and then trace that path of water. I have been lucky, though, a couple of times I've, I've actually been able to trace the path of water without doing DT. It's, it's not very common, but if you have enough time and the conditions are right and you can isolate on the exterior sufficiently, it is possible to you know, drill down and, and find, you know, the one, the only one remaining thing that it could be letting water in, but that's very rare. Right. Yeah. I've had the same experience that once in a while you can, but unfortunately, if there's a leak problem, you can usually recreate it pretty easily, but tracking down what's going on, as you said, Brett, you usually have to remove that wall cladding to get in there and determine what the problems are. 
or hopefully, yeah, or how they're going to correct them as well. I think another thing along that same line is that diagnosing them usually required the the destructive testing and then correcting them are usually very expensive problems to correct because the problems are usually hidden details behind the exterior wall cladding and and that gets expensive fast to correct those. That does. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely in comparison to a barrier system. So Jason, why don't you talk to us about the the barrier wall system, some pros and cons that we see with that type system. So I would say one of the biggest pros just generally is that a, a barrier wall system, I would consider it to be much simpler and that you're only relying on that exterior face of the wall to resist all the moisture penetration. So in terms of, you know, like we were just talking about diagnosing problems and tracing leaks, that becomes a lot simpler with this type of a wall because you can actually see that exterior plane of the wall that's supposed to resist the water. And you can see the condition of the coatings and sealants that are intended to resist that water. And and the detailing is much simpler because you don't have to worry about the through wall flashing and the transitions become a little bit simpler. And so, you know, I would, I would say those are the, the main pros of a barrier wall system. As far as the cons go, and we already talked about this a little bit, but it's there's a single line of defense, so there's no redundancy in the system, unlike the drainage wall system. So if, if there's any minor deficiency with the coating or the sealants, or if there's an issue with the stucco or any other type of minor deficiency in the exterior of the wall, if it's going to allow water past that exterior plane of the wall, then it's getting into the building and it's a problem. And in line with that, because it's a single line of defense and you are relying on the the coatings and the sealants, you're relying heavily on the installation of those coatings and sealants. So you become more reliant on the workmanship of the applicator and you know when you have a large building and you're applying thousands of feet of sealant you know it's not unusual that you could have some problems here or there with the application of the sealant so that's probably the the major cons and and then of course you know over the long term as those coatings and sealants tend to wear out you know they'll obviously need to be maintained in order to keep the wall performing as it was intended. Right. I guess in theory, in comparing that or contrasting that to the drainage wall, in theory, those interior, if those concealed components, the weather barrier, through wall flashings, those water control details behind the cladding, if those are installed properly from the beginning, in theory, there's minimal maintenance that could be done or and that would be required to be done to those. Where it still would need to be, as Brett was saying earlier, you'd still need to be replacing sealants and those kinds of things, the the exposed details, but the actual water control details are should last. I I don't want to say forever, but for a long time in that wall cavity, versus you know constant painting of those on a, or coatings as you mentioned on the barrier type walls. 
So the other con guys as well for the barrier wall system is, as I mentioned before, if the window system experiences a storm event that overloads it with respect to water intrusion, then you, you, you are going to have water come in. Now, I guess one good way to look at that is that if you do have that type of event, typically that's kind of an insurance loss type situation. Perhaps you'll know that the water comes in, you can address it, it you know, it'll be on the interior and hopefully you can correct it so that it doesn't become an issue within the wall. Uh, another kind of pro and or con is that let's say you do get water behind the paint, which is the barrier. Let's say it's a, a, a mass wall, so stucco on block type situation with paint. Now it's a barrier wall system. If you get wall into the into the mass of the wall itself or water into the mass of the wall itself, then it's going to want to find its way out. So if you have a paint on the exterior, it's going to try to come through and bubble up the paint. So you'll, you'll know right away if you have a problem versus if you have a drainage wall system, you may have a water intrusion issue into the wall cavity itself. It's, it's bypassed the drainage plane. And if that occurs, typically it's a wood wall construction. You could have rotten degradation that could be occurring over years and years without you knowing it. So uh, a lot of people want to say, well, I don't want to put paint on this uh, on this stucco and block wall because, you know, I could have bubbling of paint. Well, that's that's true. But as long as it's done right, you shouldn't have this scenario. And if it's not done right, you typically know right away that you've got to address the problem. Right. For sure. Yeah. Okay, guys. So yeah. we've talked a lot about the different types of construction. And we at GCI travel all over the country looking at different types of projects. Brett, where do we kind of predominantly see these different types of systems that we're talking about? Well, for us in South Florida, you're typically going to see the stucco on block or stucco on concrete frame buildings. There can be some hybrids, obviously, depending on whether or not it's a residential versus a commercial structure, but that's what we'll typically see in South Florida. And then as you transition up the state, we start to see more and more wood frame construction. So we, we transition from barrier wall systems to drainage wall systems. Then going further north, it, it, I'm sure it transitions even more and more to wood frame, obviously staying away from the coast. But throughout the country, you could, you're typically going to have these days, I think it's going to be mostly drainage wall systems, wood frame construction. If it's commercial, perhaps steel frame or concrete frame buildings with metal frame in, infills. Uh, you could have brick veneers. You could have si other siding materials throughout the country. So it just it just depends typically on what part of the country you're in, what the requirements are for um, energy efficiency and insulation, the how things are done in that particular market, perhaps. And again, down in South Florida, we're we're heavy on the stucco, so you know that that's a that's a cheaper and, I guess, faster installation for us in this area versus some parts of the country. It, it may be a more expensive siding material to use, but I have seen it, for example, up in as far north as you know, um, Pennsylvania. Sure. And we do go all over on new and forensic assignments. And I, you were talking, I was thinking that we've got a 26-story new construction project in Atlanta right now that's steel frame construction, steel frame infills, and, and that's a modular construction of both EFs and stucco, but that's all drainage wall. So certainly uh, a lot of drainage wall in other parts of the country where we work. And then a kind of very simple barrier type wall 
that we see all over the country and we haven't talked about, uh, much about would, would just be precast or tilt-up walls that we see on lots of large commercial buildings all over the country. So yeah, that's kind of uh, what we see in our South Florida market uh, where our home base is. We uh, have kind of that unique direct applied stucco that is not used as much in the other parts of the country that we travel to. Well, I want to thank Brett and Jason for uh, joining me today on the podcast. And I would like to thank everyone for listening to our podcast. We invite you to take a further look at our GCI Consultant Services on our website at www.gciconsultants.com. You can also reach us at 877-740-9990 to discuss any of your building envelope needs. Thank you once again, and I look forward to talking with you the next time on our Everything Building Envelope podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more information on the Everything Building Envelope, previous episodes, show notes, bonus video content, and much more, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com.